This is the Just a Couple of Dudes podcast with Frank, your only host here today. Eric and Anthony aren't here. And I am very lucky to have Dr. Stephen Hussey on, who is a functional medicine practitioner, a chiropractor, heart health expert, motivational speaker, uh, part owner, I think, of Primal Blueprint, or at least involved, and a low-carb expert. Is that kind of a decent kind of introduction? Not part owner of Primal Blueprint, no. Okay. Um, but everything else, yeah, perfect. Okay. So are you just related to them? I saw it was like related or something, was it? Or no? No, I mean, I've been on the podcast. So oh, is that it? Oh, okay. There, but, uh, okay, yeah. never mind. Never mind. Okay, totally scratched that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. But you are, you're pretty big out there in the community, man, right? In the social media world and, you know, in the, the heart health, I think is a big thing for you, right? Can you explain yeah, yeah, kind of how sure. you got here? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just like a lot of people, I guess it starts, you know, with my own health journey. Um, and, uh, you know, from a very young age, I was, I had a lot of inflammatory conditions. Um, my parents uh, noticed that I was wheezing and coughing at the age of two and I was diagnosed with asthma shortly after that. Um, and I had irritable bowel syndrome uh, as a kid and I had chronic hives and allergies and all these different things. And eventually I was diagnosed with type one diabetes, an autoimmune mm -hmm. uh, disease. And uh, so, you know, I got rid of all those inflammatory conditions aside from the type one diabetes, because um, that's kind of collateral damage that, uh, that from, the, from the inflamed childhood that I had. And um, yeah, so, you know, being diabetic, uh, I learned uh, throughout uh, my teens, you know, predisposed me to heart disease. And so I've just been on this, this quest, uh, personal quest um, to, to combat that disease and to prevent that from happening. Uh, in any way that I can, you know, so throughout my medical training and all my personal research and everything, that was um, kind of what was, what was driving me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that probably two years ago, I just started sharing what I was finding uh, on social media and going on podcasts and things like that. And, and people responded well. And, and uh, yeah, I tend to focus on heart health, but the things you can apply to achieve heart health are the same things you can used to achieve health in general. So uh, it pretty much applies everywhere. Yeah, and I want to commend you, man, because uh, type 1 diabetes is much different from type 2, right? Yes. Um, yes. People, it gets grouped together, unfortunately, because I see it as a, as a nurse practitioner a lot, and I try to tell people 95% of people are type 2, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we think of. So type 1, usually you're, you were how old when you were diagnosed? I was 9 years old. So you were 9 years old, man, just a cute kid, just trying to live your life. <laughs> And all of a sudden your pancreas stops creating insulin, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's just really tough that you have to start, you know, pricking your, your fingertips to get your blood glucose and check that. And, and you start to learn about health very early on because, I mean, you wouldn't have survived 400 years ago, right? Yeah, even, even 100 years ago, yeah. I don't think. Um, they, I think, um, you know, it was around the turn of the, the, uh, the 1900, early 1900s when insulin was discovered, not discovered, but, you know, um, um, harvested from pigs and, and dogs that could keep these type one diabetics alive. Uh, so, yeah. And I think uh, what was interesting about that is you took that as like, instead of something that is a weakness or an excuse, you took it as a way to promote health even more. I think that is so cool because yeah, you know, you're not, it, it, I, I have to, I feel like I have to, you know, like mm -hmm. um, I've met a lot of type one diabetics that, that don't necessarily, um, uh, take care of themselves or, or focus on their health. They just kind of, you know, eat the average diet and everything. And, and, uh, that, that just wasn't acceptable to me after all that I read and everything I hear about what it predisposes you to. It's just, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to, you, you know, it's not that I'm scared of dying. It's I'm scared of, of living with comorbidities and things that make mm. life harder and being a burden to my loved ones. And I don't want that to happen. So, um, I, I, I take it pretty seriously. You said so many cool things in, in this little period of time, but you don't want to be a burden on others. And then you don't want to, you're not afraid of death, but comorbidities, right? Because we have, when we look at America right now, we may have like 78 or 80 is the life expectancy, but what's that quality of life? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I've been in nursing homes and different hospital settings. You're looking at these people. There's so many people just ready to go and they're on mm -hmm. so many medicines, you know, over 10 for sure. And I just can't, I can't fathom living that life where they don't look like they're enjoying any part of the day. So that's what yeah, you're trying to avoid. That, I think that, that Western medicine is very good at keeping people alive, you know, and, you know, in, in, in an emergency, it'll definitely save your life. 
Um, but keeping someone alive is, is not the same as um, uh, helping them feel alive and, and live a good quality life, you know? And so if Western medicine spent half as much time figuring out how to keep people um, alive and well and living an actually enjoyable life than it did just keeping them alive. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that we'd be a lot further along as far as our healthcare system. Yeah, we were only spending uh, up to 3% of total healthcare costs towards prevention, which is absolutely atrocious. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, yeah scary. And, and really a lot more expensive in the long run. Mm -hmm. Exactly. To not do that. How do you see healthcare kind of changing? We're starting to see some trickles of like doctors going on their own or even myself, I'm a nurse practitioner. I have a business where I'll focus on low carb and intermittent fasting, for example. Like people are going outside of the guidelines. They're going, you know, I know Cheerio says it's heart healthy, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that, I think that um, not just practitioners, but, but people in general mm -hmm. are starting to see that uh, what they're doing personally is not working. Uh, mm -hmm. The answers they're getting from our Western medical system about how to achieve health and stay healthy is not working. Uh, some people, not everybody, but they're, they're starting to, to do research on their own because they're not getting the answers that they, that they want um, from that, that system. Uh, and so I do think that, you know, with the ability of us to share information at the speed of light pretty much you know with, mm -hmm. with the internet and all the podcasts and blogs and everything that people write it's a good thing in one on one one end because we can spread information people can do their own research and figure out how to take back and control their own health it's bad on another end because there's so much conflicting information out there mm -hmm. uh, you can read all kinds of stuff uh you know plant-based is best animal based is best all these different things and, and people can get really frustrated sometimes uh, because they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. it, it is frustrating and, and you get into it, you could actually research how this started, right? It's not, it's not like it's a secret, right? Big, how big food has used propaganda and used the same techniques big tobacco used. I mean, it, that's why eggs was bad one day and good the next. Coffee is bad and then good the next, right? It was, it's, just, it's just muddying the waters, which makes people less confident in what is healthy, right? And I think that's yeah. starting to get better. Like dietary cholesterol means nothing. No one cares anymore. Shouldn't even be on the food label. Uh, the Journal of American Cardiology just said that saturated fats are not only not bad for you, they're good for you. That's huge. Right. And that the evidence, the evidence against it was pretty much not there. Yeah. They said in that, in that article, yeah. So what, what things are you focusing on with, I mean, I think the heart health is kind of the main thing, mm -hmm. right? Your website stuff. What are you focusing on there? Uh, so yeah, on my blog, I, I write a lot about the heart and, you know, the true causes of of heart disease, um, and then by no means, a, you know, a cardiologist or a or a cardiovascular researcher or anything like that. Uh, I've just spent a lot of time uh, looking into this disease, and and you know what I find are uh, are crazy things. You know, I, I find that uh, there's tons of research out there that suggests the heart is not the mover of the blood, or at least not the main mover of the blood. It's not a pressure propulsion pump. It doesn't operate that way. Um, that you know, obviously, cholesterol does not cause heart disease. Mm -hmm. um, that there are there's a good number of heart attacks that happen with no blockage whatsoever uh and so i've i've done kind of a deep dive into a lot of these issues um a lot of these questions i had in my mind because these are things that people just think oh yeah the heart's a pump cholesterol causes heart disease that's just like conventional wisdom mm -hmm. and so you come across all this information and you're like oh man maybe we really misunderstood or misunderstand um the body and you know specifically for me the, the heart as an organ uh, what it does, what its purpose is, and and uh, and all that stuff. So it's it's crazy uh, the things that I found. We can go in any direction you want. No, no, I got you, man. I'm just I'm just excited to talk to someone because when I talk to someone that's open minded and also likes to learn, it just excites me. Because one of the most frustrating things as a as a nurse practitioner, right? I'm not I'm not the doctor, right? So even recently, I've I, well, I don't want to get too specific, but I've worked with some physicians sometimes, and there's an ego there, and there is a ladder of who. Um, has the final say, right? And I hate that because I don't care what my title is. I just want to learn so we can help people. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah. So if my MA, medical assistant, has a good idea of how we could run a situation better or help people, I'm going to listen. I don't care what your title is. So like you, you're a chiropractor, right? So you might, and you have functional medicine background. So another physician might use their title to put you down, but you spent thousands of hours on your own just researching. 
So just because you don't have these initials behind your name, which is now a sentence long with certain people, like it doesn't mean you're actually a good provider, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's just so yeah, frustrating. I think, that, I think that there's this big, um, I don't know, I don't know if misunderstanding is the right word, but it's just like the idea that somebody has to have a piece of paper or some degree to know something about something um, or about a certain topic, you know, and, and, you know, that those can be good places to start to start, you know, go seek out that person who has that degree. Um, but sometimes they're so caught up in the, the, um, I guess the status quo of their particular expertise or whatever, that they don't look outside the box and, and, uh, explore other, um, ideas, um, about whatever topic they're talking about within their expertise. And so, um, sometimes it takes those, those people that, um, you know, have a you know personal passion for something uh, to go and find out the real information and sometimes those are people it's just it's hard to know who those people are but you know in in his in his book uh the structure of scientific revolutions thomas kuhn said that um changes in normative science rarely come from within you know so we really can't um expect you know the field of cardiology or western medicine in general to you know examine itself under a microscope and say ah maybe we got it wrong um, mm-hmm. that's just not really the nature of, of humanity, um, to, to do that necessarily. Um, and so, so it, it's tough because that, then you really don't know who to trust, you know, um, with, with health information. Uh, and so I'm doing my best to put out the information I think that is, is going to help the most people, um, in, in the best way and, and, and help them guide them through their, their health journeys, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's so cool, man, because you get like a, a Paul Saladino, right? That guy is one of the smartest guys I've ever heard of in my life. I think honestly, he should lead the carnivore movement the way he's able to debate. And he's a nice guy and able to read studies like a, like a machine, right? But he was a cardiology physician assistant, right? right. So he's really good. And then he went, uh, he's a psychiatrist, now MD, right? And yeah. he went on the doctor show and was tore apart because it was, it was really unfair. And they, they told him, well, you're not a cardiologist. Like he was a cardiology PA. Like, how are you they're TV doctors. <laughs> like, how are they going to, he treats patients in the community. That guy has right. so many credentials and they're still attacking him. And I'm like, I'm just baffled at the, um, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like being in third grade and the, yeah. there's being a bully in the room. And I'm like, that's yeah. not how it's supposed to work. And that's happening yeah. with really smart people. And it bothers me so much. That's why I don't, I don't want to go back to school. I don't care anymore. I just like learning right. on my own. And I've spent yeah. thousands of hours on my own and, and you know, diving in the, in the uh, information. Because if I just practice medicine every day, I don't have time to learn. I have to research on my own, right? Right, exactly. So, I was the same way. I thought about I wanted to go back to school again um, mm-hmm. to get a PhD in like cardiometabolic science. And uh, so applied and I got in. And then I just at some point I was just like, I want to spend four years in all the bureaucratic crap of, of a PhD and like only be able to research what they approved me to research. And, and even then like having to, you know, beg people for money to research what I want to research, even though I'd probably never get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studies on what I want to look at probably wouldn't be approved. And so I just decided, no, I, I, I could probably get more done researching on my own mm-hmm. and then providing that information to people, you know? That's awesome. And that's good that we have like these independent forums and platforms that you can do it because back in the day, like the 60s, 70s, you didn't have that, right? You only had, you know, what the American Heart said or what the USDA said. And they were so wrong so many times. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand how there's not even an apology. Like it was so atrocious saying low fat, for example, something simple. Mm-hmm. And the food pyramid in the 90s, I remember growing up seeing it on the wall at the at the school, I was like, I really don't understand this. I'm supposed to eat a lot of pasta first and then like climb the pyramid. And that mm-hmm. killed people. I mean, it literally killed yeah. people. And I'm just baffled. I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, that's, that's just what happens in a capitalist society when, when you have all these companies with, you know, invested interests in, in the guidelines, uh, you know, influencing those guidelines. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you, know, you have all these, you know, cereal companies and, and uh, you know, largely, you know, you know, big agricultural companies are uh, influencing those guidelines. Mm-hmm. So of course, they're going to influence them in a way that encourages people to buy their products. Um, and then the, the government subsidizes uh, those crops 
And mm-hmm. so that makes it even easier for them, for them to become part of, you know, like the, the, the staple of the, the diet and, and among Americans. And uh, we just get stuck in this rut, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now recently, you know, with, you know, with the internet and with a ton of information coming out, we're starting to expose that things were driven that way by, by the money. And it wasn't based on any science or any, um, or any um, health policy or anything like that. Uh, and so people are again starting to wake up and it is starting to happen people are starting to get smart um, but there's just a lot of a lot of stuff to get through I guess to really yeah to really feel like empowered enough to make that decision people have a lot of information to get through um, mm-hmm. so so it's tough I love how you brought up how you had type 1 diabetes really young and you said that was a uh, an example of like all the inflammatory processes that you were experiencing prior so do you think it may have been possible to have avoided that like just as an opinion or definitely yeah 100 percent. i think it could have been avoided my brother actually was diagnosed with type 1 at age 22 oh wow um, yeah much much later so um but yeah i think that uh, those types of things are totally if i i think that if i had known then what i know now i could have you know stopped that from happening and there's even evidence of of um, like case studies out of uh paleo medicine and hungary where they reverse type one um, when they catch it soon enough and they do oh, wow. intervention soon enough after diagnosis when this, there's still beta cells around, um, they can stop the attack of those beta cells and they'll regenerate and the, um, the, um, the child in this case, in the case studies, no longer type one diabetic, even though they had that diagnosis. But, you know, for someone like me, you know, those, those beta cells, my honeymoon phase is done. Those beta cells mm-hmm. are gone. And um, no matter what I do, I'll probably never get them back unless there's some kind of stem cell therapy or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, starting a stem cell practice. I mean, it's just joints initially, but it's pretty amazing yeah. some of the technology that's coming out um, that's actually healing areas. Because we look at, this is how I look at COVID, for example. And sorry if I go kind of all over the place, but we treat COVID like we should uh, clean the countertop. Like that's our body. And I go, our body is not a countertop. Even our bone is living tissue. We don't understand that our joints are living tissue that can actually improve. We don't look at it that way. We just say, oh, you have arthritis, like inflammation or autoimmune issues. And it's like, no, it's just tearing down the body. Something's tearing it down. Why don't you stop that and let the body heal itself? Right? Yeah. And it's exactly. just like, I think that, you know, that all these diseases um, is not the normal state of things. It's not like you're, you're born with a pre-programmed set of genes that you're going to get a disease. Um, the, the body is, the genes are always interacting with the environment and the environment is giving the instructions to the genes of how to express themselves. You can have genetic susceptibilities to certain diseases, but whether or not those susceptibilities become a reality are entirely dependent on the environment you put your body in. And so the environment could be food, it could be toxins, it could be stress, it could be all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we change that environment, we change the instructions our genes are getting and we get a better health outcome. Yes, that's so cool. How did, how did you get into functional medicine? Can you talk more about that? Um, well, I mean, I, I just, you know, I majored in health and wellness in college. And that's when I started realizing that the way I lived my life um, had an impact on how well I could manage type 1 diabetes and my health in general. And um, then went to chiropractic school and, you know, learned all about the body and, and medicine and that kind of stuff. Um, but I never felt really satisfied um, with the educations that I got as far as, you know, I thought I was going to go to school and figure out, you know, the answers to things, you know, mm-hmm. why people get disease and you don't figure that out. You just figure out how to manage it. Um, even with chiropractic, it was very focused on neuromusculoskeletal diagnoses. Um, and we learn how to manage those. We don't learn why they happen. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, that's just kind of the paradigm that Western medicine is. So I was never really um, happy with the education. So then about the time I graduated, chiropractic school um th- that same school started offering a, a master's in human nutrition and functional medicine and so i decided to do that as well um and i'll even say that you know that was more along the lines of the stuff i wanted to be learning and figuring out but even that came up short like i don't feel like looking back on it i don't feel like it gave me the answers i wanted like mm-hmm. i had to find the answers myself really it really helped having all that educational background mm-hmm. to help me apply to the research my personal research but um but yeah i guess it just 
it was just inspired by this, this um, never being satiated with, with the answers that I was getting. Even now, I want to know more. I want to know, I want to figure out, I still have tons of questions about, um, about the body and disease that we just don't know the answers to yet. And I'll just, I'll keep looking. That's awesome. Man. I think why, why stop? Isn't that what science is about? Mm-hmm. Like unless the scientific method can reproduce the same result, you keep trying. That's what I don't understand about science. It's like, well, we don't really know which diet's the best. We can, we can agree on that. Like our health is not good. So you can't blame me, right? Pretty, we tr- pretty much tried to reduce it. It hasn't helped. Heart disease is still number one every year. So we're never, yeah. we're never even gaining room like on this stuff. So I don't understand why we think we know things when, you know, now we have a virus like COVID that I've seen a 95 year old that was fine in two days because he was an Islander, low stress, took care of himself. Right. And I've seen a, yeah. a 40 year old that was, you know, BMI of 45 that died. Right. And why is that? Like, it's, it's not rocket science here. It's like, well, your immune system is a lot less uh, capable of, you know, defending itself from COVID. And COVID attacks people that are diabetic, elderly, obesity. We see it, right? It's just so weird. So why aren't we questioning, like, why are we unhealthy? Why can't we get healthier? And then we just double down on these paradigms over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, you know, a huge message. I wrote an article about coronavirus that illustrated the fact that, you know, people with comorbidities are more likely to have worse outcomes with the virus. Um, And that, you know, the elephant in the room is that, 88% 88% of the population is metabolically unhealthy. That's uh, such and, a huge number. And that could include, you know, a 25 year old. I mean, I, we have a nutrition program here at my clinic and uh, I, I take fasting insulin and, and uh, the cholesterol panels and fasting blood sugars. And I, I assess people's metabolic health. And I had a, um, a 23 year old uh, guy come in the other day, looks healthy, skinny, he's not overweight or anything, but his fasting insulin was 20. Um, and so, and, and that, that's insulin resistant, you know? And so then mm-hmm. you look at how the immune system is activated. Part of the way it's activated is through insulin. And, um, and if you're insulin resistant, your body's not going to respond to that and you're not going to activate your immune system. So that's how, you know, younger people, um, you know, that seem healthy, quote unquote, um, are ending up with poor outcomes with the virus because, we're not assessing their metabolic health. We're not figuring that, that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime I see something in social media where people say, Oh, look, this young, healthy person, you know, this, this virus is so dangerous. And it's like, well, what was a person's fasting insulin? What was their mm-hmm. fasting um, blood sugar? What was their, what their cholesterol panel look like um, in, in terms of assessing it for metabolic health? You know, like let's, did anybody look at that? You know? Uh, mm-hmm. and, if, and if they did take those numbers, did they know how to interpret them? You know? Mm-hmm. and see if this person was metabolically healthy. And, and I just don't think that that's been the focus of, of this whole pandemic. And it's a shame because um, it, it, it's not just about this, you know, this, uh, this strain of, of virus or, or whatever. It's, you know, every, people don't realize that every single year a, a flu or some type of virus comes around and it takes the lives of, of a lot of people who, who have these comorbidities. Um, and so this is going to happen year after year if we don't correct our metabolic health. Yeah, and there's not, there's not a push like in the CDC or anything about how to be healthier. We can't even agree on the top government organizations. Like, I think it's such a shame. I get it, wear a mask. Like, I get it. It's better than nothing. But what are we doing? We're not talking about de-stressing. Like, I talk to patients all the time. I give them a bunch of education every day. You know, vitamin D. There's enough evidence there to, like, you should take it. You need to get your sunlight. You need to de-stress. You need to exercise. You need to eat, you know, less processed foods, less sugars, less vegetable oils. Like we can all agree on this stuff that is, is huge, right? I even recommend vitamin C and zinc infusions, IV. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen it work for COVID patients, like mm-hmm. especially, right? High dose, well, like a Myers cocktail. It was published that showed that they did a bunch of IV stuff and it cured COVID in, in a few different people. So that, yeah. I mean, that's published. It's, it's, it's a small sample size, but it's, it's there. Yeah. And then what happened to practicing medicine, right? Like that's what we do during a pandemic. We are practicing medicine every day. We're a lot of uh, practitioners are just regurgitating studies. And I'm like, well, that study just was different than the study two days ago, or that study was from China. You know, like, like, what are we, why do you keep just repeating this stuff that's in a study when it, it's not valid or it wasn't a good, you know, it's just hard. That's what I, I hate it. It's like, you could have facts slap you in the face, but they don't care because you see a study that said something. 
Yeah. Or, or all the uh, policies in place, depending on where you work as a provider that, that keep you from acknowledging that, that study or, or that information or what you're seeing, you know, mm-hmm. as you're practicing medicine, they keep you from acknowledging that and changing your approach because of some bureaucratic you know, political mm-hmm. thing. I mean, that's, it's the famous Upton Sinclair quote where he says, it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. Um, mm, and I love and that. That's the kind of situation that we're that we're in. I feel like um, with with healthcare is that there are a lot of physicians who probably would, um, you know, who have tendencies to go off on their own and start actually getting results with people. But there are you know policies and things that keep them from doing that. And if they want to keep making their salary, providing for their family, I mean, it's not their fault. They're just yeah. stuck in a bad system. You know, that's true. How do you how do you see the system changing? Like, is it going to be something outside the box kind of, is that what you're thinking? It's going to be, I mean, I think the way that anything uh, changes really or a massive change occurs is that enough people start to figure it out. I mean, you know, people don't realize it, but, but healthcare, uh, the medical system is a, is, is driven by consumers. If the consumers demand something different, um, then, then it will change. I mean, it's a business just like anything else. And if you start to affect their bottom line, They'll be forced to change, you know. If if uh, I don't know if um, if people like Febreze, you know, if if people started figuring out that there was toxic ingredients in Febreze, and they stopped buying it because they didn't want those toxic ingredients, I bet you Febreze would figure out a way to make a product with less toxic ingredients. I do like that. So you're saying the power, like a a good side effect of capitalism, right? Like the like the news. Exactly. I tell everyone, I go, you shouldn't even have it on because you're supporting it. Like just, just turn it off and eventually they have to put something out better, whether it's yeah, them yeah. or something different. It's that yeah. simple. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, and it's hard because they put out information that's, you know, it's almost like addicting and you feel like if you miss it, you're going to, you're going to not hear some piece of information that's going to save your life or, or mm-hmm. something, you know? And so, um, yeah, but if we just turn that off, you know, the news is not, is not, uh, unfortunately not, just there to report what's happening in the world. They're there for ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're business just like anything else. And this is not like that people are evil. I choose not to see the world as that way. I just I see it as a result of, of us living in a capitalist society and people have to, you know, make a living and provide for their families. And so, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're business like anything else. And if you, if they ratings decline, they're going to start showing something else. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they'll start actually reporting what's going on in the world. Um, mm-hmm. instead of just focusing on, on a few different things that get them the best ratings. I love that, man. There's a, like a fiduciary, for example, right? Which is a kind of a messy industry in the investment world. But the whole point was, is you get an investor that their goal is for you to make money so they make money. So you have a combined goal, right? right so right. You, like direct primary care, have you heard of that model? Uh, I, I mean, I've heard of primary care kind of like, you know, the physicians are paid based on how well their patients do. Yeah. So direct primary care, I guess it's not, I guess kind of, if they keep the patients, obviously they're doing something right. So like right. Kristen Bear, um, the PCP world, I did a lot of my clinical rotations with PCPs and I can't tell you how just overstressed they are, man. It's brutal. Yeah. Like they're the most caring, loving people. Um, but they are just busy all day long, 12 hours a day, five days a week. It's brutal. And then they're not even compensated. So like they're mm-hmm. not doing it for the money. Like it's known in that field that you're not going to get paid the most and you're going to work yeah. harder and you have the most responsibility. So now you're starting to see direct primary care where, you know, you can pay a hundred to $200 a month, something like that. And you can oh, get yeah. more access to the PCP and they have more time. Right. They don't have to follow the guidelines as much like the cholesterol guidelines. Right. Cause yeah, you know, those aren't very good. <laughs> like right. yeah. like that. I hate to be dictated by guidelines when you have like Paul Saladino is a, savage and his ldl is like 575 right or something like that i saw the other day 575 but his cac score coronary artery calcium score is zero so who cares yeah. what his cholesterol is yeah. like, <laughs> that's same, same with me my 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 cholesterol is over 400 and my cac score is zero that's awesome and then you get like the paleo cardiologist right like yourself you probably follow something similar he doesn't even mm-hmm. check ldl at all mm-hmm. at all it's not even part of the panel he looks at apoa apob hdl triglycerides and i'm like I'm like, oh my God, like this stuff that insurance doesn't even cover because they're yeah. behind the eight ball on what labs we should be looking at. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing too. 
uh, is that insurance companies aren't privy to the information that, that, uh, and so they're just, they're not even reimbursing for, for those types of things. And so then patients mm-hmm. are like, well, I don't even want the t- tests that matter. I want the ones that they're going to pay for. And the ones that they pay for don't tell us anything, you know? Yeah. And, and, and even then, like I, you know, based on what I found, um, it, and this is not medical advice, but I, I don't even know that cholesterol is relevant at all. Um, and, you know, cause they get in down to like, uh, the particle size and, and, you know, how damaged the LDL particle is and it gets smaller as it gets more damaged, um, or the, uh, the number of particles and all this stuff. But, um, some of the things that I've seen make it, uh, like, you know, physiologic things that happen in the body make the idea that no matter the size of an LDL particle, it can't get into the lining of an artery. Um, you know, it comes around from the other side through the, through the base of azorum, but, um, yeah, and it's just, it, it's clear that no one's looking at all the available information on the development of atherosclerosis and, and LDL's, um, role in that, if any, and, and making an, a, an assessment, we're just going based off of, of theories that were made, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not helping us. It's leading us down a bad path. Yeah. And we, we continue, we actually had a cardiologist on, we were really like to have on. But he spent, he spent uh, you know, I don't know, 50 years in the field, man. He's into genetics and cardiology. He's like, oh, we can get people on statins at 20 years old. And I'm like, well, all he ended up doing, and I didn't argue at the time because I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But he, um, he just doubled down, right? It's intellectual bias. Like he focused his whole career in life on cholesterol. And his, his, his take was is that we have low cholesterol levels when we're born. And I go, I, go, I guess, but that's kind of like, is that even That's pertinent either? We're using it at such a high rate to develop our bodies. Yeah. It's so low. <laughs> but how, how do you change a 70-year-old that spent his whole life, like when a, a world, he, he cleared right. one of the astronauts to go to the moon as a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to like respect him too, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, yes. God, so, and they're talking about a vaccine coming out, a vaccine that's going to lower your cholesterol. Can you imagine that? Because they don't, people don't want to mm-hmm. take pills. It's not normal to take pills. Right. I can't imagine that because there's not even been successful vaccines for, 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 I mean, viruses and, and things like that. Um, so how are they doing? I can't even imagine that. It's, it's scary though, because they're just going down that path of, Oh, it's cholesterol. Oh, it's cholesterol. Oh, it's cholesterol. And I read something the other day and it was like, uh, statins don't even work, work on the actual cholesterol. They work on actual CRP. So like actual inflammation in a weird way. Right. Yeah. And a lot of these drugs are by the accident. The benefit from statins is likely due to its anti-inflammatory effect. However, there are much better ways to achieve an anti-inflammatory effect than taking a drug that, that literally shuts down production of cholesterol. Exactly. Um, because cholesterol is, is super important. So what are some things you would like, if someone comes into your clinic, what are some things you kind of focus on? Um, well, I do like in the clinic, we have a nutrition program where I just focus on you know, dietary intervention. Um, and I take blood work to assess for metabolic health. And, and I, I, I want them to achieve metabolic health, which you can do in many different you know, dietary approaches. You can definitely achieve metabolic health um, on a high fat, low carb, or on a, um, you know, non-ketogenic diet as well with some carbohydrates. You can achieve it eating plants and animals. It's just matters which, which plants and that kind of stuff. So um, I meet them where they're at and I figure out how we're going to achieve metabolic health in this person and how it's going to be, um, uh, I don't want to say easy, but the most doable for them, you know? Um, so, yeah. And then, um, I also do online health coaching and um, with those, those are people that I don't really advertise for People just kind of seek me out. Um, and uh, with those people, I help them, you know, manage uh, more, more complex conditions while they're also under the care of their physician. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's fun. Cause I, I, in that kind of setting, I get to, um, I get to help them try all kinds of new ways to achieve health, but it's really about, um, I, I think, health in general, like the things you have to think about in today's world is achieving metabolic health through diet, um, avoiding toxins. And there's, there's a lot of them managing your stress, which is really overlooked. I think, you know, the autonomic nervous system balance, um, mm-hmm. is really overlooked. Our service just went like really junky. <laughs> All right. So we are back on hopefully this is why we're doing the podcast room so I can, I can get this like better. Cause when you have a good conversation, man, it's like, um, 
it's like a basketball game, right? You have momentum and you can actually feel and see that. That's the same with the conversation. When you're volleying back and forth like this, that's how you're able to get so much good information out, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was so good. It was too good and we got censored. Maybe that. Maybe that's what it was, man. <laughs> um, with, with the functional medicine, I thought that was so cool, man, because I went down that rabbit hole with Dr. Mark Hyman. Mm-hmm. I do like him a lot. Again, I think he's a bit mainstream, mm-hmm. but his yeah. message is good, right? I mean, soil health like is a big movement, which I think we all can agree on is that we have, what, 60 to 80 years left mm-hmm. of good soil in the U.S. And one of the main things we can do is have animals go poop and right. regenerative and agriculture. Yeah. There, there's too much information saying that we do need meat. We just need it. We need to make farming more accessible and we need to make it more ethical and we need to make it more sustainable. Right. Yeah. Um, I think we can agree on that. And then when it comes to plants, what I liked what you brought up is that not all plants are the best thing for us. Right. 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 Yeah. So I think that, you know, you brought up Mark Hyman. Yeah. He's been a, he was a big influence on me in the early days, you know, and, and I remember him saying things like, you know, uh, meat is a condiment. Uh, you look at meat as a condiment, and so it's not like the centerpiece of the meal. And I, I tend to disagree. I think that that we should get the majority of our nutrients from animal foods. And if you want to eat plant foods, then then yeah, you totally can. And not gonna most of them are not gonna harm you. For most people, some people it's very. It could be the difference. You know, getting rid of plants can be the difference between health and and symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I think that there's this. Everybody's a little bit an individual, but in general, we should get most of our nutrients from from animal foods, and then consume plants, um, uh, kind of uh, based on our individual, you know, tendencies. You know, like for me, I'm trying to, you know, not trigger any sort of autoimmunity whatsoever, and so I've found certain, you know, plant foods that that will do that for me. Um, and at least they trigger some sort of inflammation. So for me, I, I found that eliminating um, most, if not all plants is, is, is working very, very well for me. Um, but for other people, it may not. So we're mm-hmm. just going to have to to look at those things on a spectrum kind of. It is kind of cool how it is. Uh, it's individually tailored, right? Because medicine would be pretty boring if it was just cookie cutter Pleasantville. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I have a buddy who's an nurse practitioner too, and he eats vegan. Actually, he's more plant-based now, I believe. And he's like a bodybuilder type. I can't imagine how good he would look if he just ate meat. But he does it for ethics, which is fine. Again, I can't argue that. I'm more interested to know what he means by that. But um, he's a good example of a plant-based athlete. Um, but he's so dedicated and disciplined. I'm not disciplined enough to do vegan. There's yeah, no way. Well, I- I was vegan for two years, mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago or something. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, I didn't experience any like, you know, drastic decline in health. I do realize now that I was sick way more often. Like I got mm-hmm. colds and flus and stuff way more often. And I was way more tired and I didn't feel like my brain functioned as well. Like now I'll read stuff and, you know, grasp it easily and be able to apply it to other things and, and write about it and that kind of stuff. Whereas um, it was a struggle to do that kind of stuff before. And those are all anecdotal things. But um, even, I just don't, we, we don't have a, an example of any, you know, population, long-term population that's ever been um, solely plant-based that has been successful. And I just don't think that it's um, the way forward. And, you know, a great book just came out, Sacred Cow, that talks about, mm-hmm. you know, the sustainability of, of, you know, regenerative agriculture and, um, you know, basically the argument against, you know, um, pushing the world toward a vegan diet. Like people want to do that. That's their own choice. But I do think that will be nutrient deficient. I do think that it's not any better for the environment. And, and quite frankly, it might be worse for the environment when you really dig into the, the literature. And even the ethical, you know, argument for veganism doesn't quite stand up when you really look at it um, from, a, from a least harm uh, principle sort of uh, viewpoint. Um, it's actually, I, I could argue that it's, it's less harmful to kill one cow than it is to sacrifice all the animals that are killed to make, you know, all the different plant foods um, that, that someone would need to eat to get all the nut- nutrients they need mm-hmm. in a vegan diet. And, and so, so yeah, I, I, that kind of stuff worries me, all the propaganda of, about that. Um, I mean, I just recently uh, was told um, about some some series on Netflix with Zac Efron 
and he's traveling the world with a, with a notable vegan and looking at, um, you know, sustainable energy solutions. And they keep talking about diet and stuff. And they were talking, they went to Sardinia, one of the quote unquote blue zones. And it's just so funny because there's, there's these researchers in, in Sardinia that are researching these people who have, you know, um, some of the highest longevity, you know, the most centenarians um, anywhere in the world. And, um, and they look at all the different healthy things they do. They look at the fact that, um, you know, they don't over uh, drink alcohol. They don't smoke. They, they're walking around, they're exercising every day. They have a great strong sense of community, they're mm-hmm. eating a whole food diet, all this kind of stuff. And the conclusion that's one of the things that they, the conclusions um, that they did in the documentary was that it was their, their low protein or less than 50 grams of protein a day. That's the reason. That which, which is absurd. Like, <laughs> I know. And so, and so it's just like to, to have all that, to all those healthy things. And they're saying that that's why they live a long time. I think they could live longer if they had more protein, you know, yeah, and, it's, and, you know, it's just crazy because all the research suggests that, you know, higher, um, good quality, higher amounts of protein and maintaining the muscle mass, um, into your, um, aging years is the number one predictor of longevity. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, all these people are doing things that are helping them live a long time, but they could probably live longer and, and, um, better quality of life if they were also eating higher amounts of, of animal protein. Um, mm-hmm. than they are but the fact is that they'd like to paint those areas as regions where they're not eating any animal protein which is false because there definitely are they're eating animal fat and protein for sure it's less than i eat um mm-hmm. but it's it's still they're still including it in their diet because there's nutrients in there that they can't get from plants alone what, what's crazy is that it's the the argument isn't that strong for for veganism or vegetarianism right i think a lot of people think they have good intentions, right? They don't want to see a cow die. Mm-hmm. So they feel better that they don't think they directly killed something. But if right. you go to the grocery store and get a salad or you get corn or whatever, there were animals that died from that. And so when you really go down that rabbit hole, you have to really think about it from a whole perspective. Like, well, when you monocrop, you kill way more animals than just farming. Yeah, way and, more individual lives for sure. Yeah, and I've noticed in medicine, this is just my life. I've dealt with a lot of death in my life. Um, there's a circle of life and it goes all the way around. And for some reason, it doesn't go all the way around for most people. They don't understand that we all die. And that's why when COVID's going on right now or other things, like we do die. And like when you accept that, you, you start to enjoy the day a lot more. You even said that. You're like, I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of suffering. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I COVID's mean, I, another I example. I to the Lion King, man. I mean, Mufasa, that's what yeah. he teaches Simba. You know, he said- yeah. He's like, dad, don't we eat the antelope? Why are we taking care of them? Why are we protecting them? You know, he's like, don't we eat them? And he's like, yeah, but then we die and they eat the grass that becomes us. And it's just yes. like, that's, that's like Disney, man. And like, that was the lesson you learned right there. But not Disney anymore though. See, that's the problem yeah. is that yeah, the main, right. the mainstream stuff, like, so the, the documentary Game Changers, right? I'm a Chris Kresser fan, by the way. I just think he should not be the focal point of um, aggressive debate. So that was unfair right. with him and James yeah. Wilkes. It was totally Definitely. not appropriate. And I felt really bad, actually. I had to turn it off. Um, yeah. He should have like Sean Baker on there, <laughs> who, yeah. who you can't, you, you're not going to be able to just throw away your weight because you, you're some director right. or whatever. But yeah. they're just looking for things in these documentaries. And like some of the documentaries are good. I, I watched one called Fed Up. It was about sugar. I think we can all yeah. agree about sugar yeah. has been atrocious and killed tons of people. But we cannot, and then the vegan stuff is like vegan athletes. That is like one of the worst like recommendations for the worst group of people. Like you have Cam Newton, right? He's 260 pounds quarterback. He, he lives and breeds off of running and getting hit by guys his size. He loses weight. He can't, he doesn't have a, a game anymore. These athletes yeah, are getting hurt. Healthy. Yeah, at all. He needed. I'm a, I'm a Panthers fan, man. Like, yeah. That, like I, I follow this, like he's, he can't stay healthy. What? That's vegan, crazy. Shoulder broke down and his yeah. foot couldn't heal. Uh, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, right? He's also a flat earther, by the way. But he yeah. he um he went vegan and he already had issues with that. And I go, mm-hmm. I go, what? So and then there's this there's issue with if you're eating the sad diet, the standard American diet, and you do choose to go vegan or vegetarian, that's fine. You're gonna feel some benefits initially in the first couple of years because you're just not eating the crap and toxins. Right, but, eating whole foods now. Yeah, exactly. But if you go to five years, 10 years, 
how are you feeling, right? I know a guy, really nice guy, he went vegan, vegetarian, right? Type, type two diabetic, feels better. He's still on like three medicines, okay? Which is not the goal of type two diabetes. I can get you off if you ate meat. So he came to right. the uh, conclusion that it was the vegan diet that helped it. But I, I go, you're still overweight and you still have three medicines of diabetes. Like, mm-hmm. so are you, what did it work? Cause I don't think it did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, like you're healthier, great. You put yeah. a step in the right direction, but you need to go further or we can go, we can get you further, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that um, there's a lot of confusion because I, I think one of, one of the best books I, I read about this whole argument is the vegetarian myth by Mayor Keith. And um, because she was a, she was a um, vegetarian vegan for like 20 years um, and she did permanent damage to her body um, as far as the breakdown of, of some of the structure of her body. But in the book, she really gets into, um, you know, how she, how she stayed vegan for that long. And like the, you know, she convinced herself that this was the best way to do it. And even though she felt she, she saw all these things going wrong with her health and, and she started seeing more information about maybe how it wasn't the best for the environment, that kind of stuff, she still pushed it away because she was convinced. She just convinced herself mm. that this was, the way to do it and so and then you get all these you know these uh, uh you know kind of like vegan doctors you know um that have have really built their career and and reputation around a plant-based diet so you're wasting your time talking to them because they're i mean it's really hard to get someone to understand something when their salary depends on the yeah exactly exactly right? and, then, and so yeah. you're never gonna you're never gonna convince them the other way uh it would take a lot and i i mean that would I would really admire someone who would be willing to sacrifice their entire um, livelihood and, and reputation to, to do something if they, if they came to the conclusion that veganism wasn't the way to go. But it just shows how we get stuck. People get stuck in this, in this, um, this way of thinking, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard to get out sometimes. Well, I, I do got a quick example because I'm just a big fan of him. I went down the meat, the, the, the way of eating a lot of meat because of Sean Baker. Um, on Rogan. That was actually why it was that episode. And I was like, wow, this kind of makes sense. I thought red meat was bad for us. I was in, I was in NP school, I was in nursing school or being a nurse or whatever. Yeah. And I heard it and I was, and he's an Air Force veteran. I'm an Air Force veteran. And he was an orthopedic surgeon. He actually sacrificed his career as a surgeon, mm-hmm. like basically because he had to battle the boards and, and all how the right. bureaucracy, it was, it was horrendous. Like mm-hmm. the backlash he gets. And when you actually t- hear him speak, he's very smart and very well thought out and actually a very caring guy. He just looks like a Viking at the same time and is one, but I like, I'm such a big fan of him because he, he actually like was had a suspended license because he was right. avoiding surgery as an orthopedic surgeon, which is what they do. They get, they get paid to right. substitute your joints. And he would go, no, let's, let's go on a keto or low carb diet. Let's rebuild these joints and you don't need a knee replacement. Right? So he, he did. He's, like a, he's a, no, no. And in fact, it was two orthopedic surgery groups in New Mexico, I believe it was. And he was in yeah. one of them. And one of the hospital systems went after him. And, and the review board for uh, physicians does not support physicians. It's really sad. Like mm. um, it's happening in other forms of life, but you do have these doctors, I think that are saying, you know what, screw this. Cause I think Sean Baker could have just, I mean, he gets a lot of hate, man. He's the, he's the pro kind of brash, right? Obviously carnivore guy, but mm-hmm he's the one that takes all this stuff. And like, he could have just been a surgeon and been happy probably, you know, right. and just kept yeah. doing that, but he didn't. Right. He did so. what he thought was right. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and uh, the, uh, the same thing can be said for Gary Fetke um, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Tasmania. He, uh, he was, uh, uh, I think just general surgeon or, or I forget what kind of doctor he was, but he was doing a lot of amputations on diabetics because um, they were getting ulcers and things on their feet and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, so he started recommending that they change their diet and he stopped doing the amputations. And he was like, Oh, this is great. And he got reported by the, the uh, dietetics association in, in uh, Australia, in uh, Tasmania there. And they said, you can't recommend that's our job. You know, we have the rights to that. And he actually got his license suspended um, and had to go to court and all this stuff and eventually got it back. Um, cause they ruled that it was totally stupid what they, what they took it for. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show that, that, uh, it, you have to, I think those people, um, who were willing to sacrifice 
you know, their livelihood, their, their income, all that, all the stuff that uh, they built the reputation on for doing the right thing are probably the people that have the, the real information for us. Yeah. Because again, you, you've read this up multiple times, just like follow the money, follow the, the, the reason, right. I'm i I'm a big Elon Musk fan. Um, not, none of his decisions say he's actually out for money. None of them. It, it makes no sense. People are saying he's just this rich billionaire caring about money. I go, no, he's not. He actually does things on purpose that he's lost money. Like, like he wants to change the world. That's what that guy is. For, yeah, he's trying to change the world and make something better for humanity or something. And yeah. he may lose money doing that. And he can afford to do that. And that's the yeah, difference. He can. he can afford to lose money. But, but still, you know, if somebody was just money hungry, then they'd be pinching every penny, even though they are a billionaire. Exactly. And I think there are so many practitioners, you know, like yourself, like, I mean, this, the route you went, I hope it's lucrative and you're, because if you're helping people, you should be successful on your own end too. I think it should work both ways. You and the patient do, do well, but like, it, it wasn't easy the route you just went. It probably would have been easier, you know, just being a, a functional medicine practitioner or, or like a chiropractor. Instead, you're trying to help more people all together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just the bottom line for you, obviously. Like, and yeah. that's nice because you're going to get, I'm sure you receive some hate mail for uh, not being the pro-vegan because that's the mainstream narrative, right? And anytime you speak against that, even in the most calm, collective, loving manner, like I want to hug any vegan I meet. I think most of them are really nice people, but it's just unfortunately not the probably the best diet, obviously we can agree on. And if you'd say that alone, if I was a big enough name, I, I would get a lot of negativity and hate and people that are very angry, you know? So it's not the easy answer to say that. Yeah, well, it's just, to me, it's just, sad because you know i've made a few posts on instagram that that somebody pointed out to some you know vegan uh you know um doctor that you know has like a big following or whatever and they like reposted it and said like look at this guy and then like their whole following came on to my social media was just like attacking me you know Mm -hmm. like, like being just mean and i was just like man this is crazy that these people are like this you know like i i you know i disagree wholeheartedly with with you know, vegan recommendations and uh if people want to do it that's fine but i disagree with them but i never feel like i need to attack someone who no no right who, that's who disagrees with me you know i never feel that way so i i don't understand where that anger comes from um and i guess it, you could argue that they're you know they're not feeding their brain or something like that and they're, they're yeah no, that is that is but, true yeah yeah but but it's just it's just sad that that this is you know, how polarizing it's become and that we can't have constructive conversations about it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and even if, even if I know I'm not, you know, trying to convince someone to do something different, just giving them information so that they can make their own decision. Um, even when I do that, you just get attacked and it's like, where does this, where does this hate come from? It's just sad. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of it, there's so many, it's multifactorial, right? Just like anything mm-hmm. pretty much is multifactorial, but it's just, it sucks that you have to have that mob attack you when your, your intention is to help people. And you've tried the vegan, you know, I've tried a vegetarian. It's very, it's very hard. I didn't feel good. Um, I eat low carb intermittent fast because honestly it just works for my life. And my conclusion with my evidence is that it works really well for me. And it's the easiest way to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel great. Uh, the best I ever felt actually was eating kind of like Sean Baker was mostly red meat and steak basically. Um, and it was just easy. You know, I was satiated. I, I just went about life and my brain works a thousand miles an hour. feels like I'm on hormones, but I'm not, you know, it's just a normal day. It's probably how you're supposed to feel. Um, but yeah, I think that more people are getting out there and realizing, Hey, it's not, you know, vegan or even carnivore, right. Even carnivore sometimes gets a bad name. I'm like, stop doing the same thing. It's not an ideology. It's not right. us versus them. It's how can we help yeah. your fellow person? Like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I eat, I eat a pretty animal-based diet. It's close to 100% animal-based. Um, but it's because it's, it's the best I've felt in my life. You know, it's the first mm-hmm. time ever in my life that I had no GI symptoms. You know, as good as they had gotten from changing my diet in the past, um, this was the first time I've, I've had no, no GI symptoms. Um, and so, to me, that's a pretty good indication of what I'm doing. Is, is, um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm accurate with what I'm doing as far as my, the best health. So... Um, so yeah, but if someone, you know, went on a vegan diet and they said it's the best they've ever felt and they were truly honest with themselves and said, yes, I have no symptoms. I'm feeling the best I can. 
Um, and I have no problem with them doing that. That's fine. As long as, you know, they have the information, like if they know that it's not probably not the best for the environment or um, that it is very likely to have nutrient deficiencies and they still choose to do that. Sure. Go ahead. But just make sure you're being honest with yourself down the road. If that, if it ever changes and you don't feel good, you don't stick to that, that dogma that you've made yourself believe. Cause I'm the same way. Like this, this animal based diet, if it ever started to change and I started, my health started to decline, I would say, okay, I need to change something. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stick to this dogma of, of an animal based diet. Um, you know, I'll, I'll include different things and I'll, I'll change what I eat uh, to achieve health. It's not about um, being right about a certain way of eating. It's, it's, or health in general, it's about finding health. Yeah. I, it is, it is weird how people are clinging to things too much. Like there's not a lot in science that's like hundred percent absolute. Right. And that's kind of what makes science not really right. Nothing really. So because of that, I mean, we have to stay open-minded instead of being closed-minded when it comes to things like it's it's just difficult. especially when you have like here, uh, my aunt uh, challenged me a bit and told me that plants are going to save the world basically. And I I was going on Instagram with her and I spent, you know, an hour of my time going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm not going to convince her. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm like, Hey, look, I, I actually, treat people <laughs> like i mean i see them get better and i've spent thousands of hours but i'm not going to convince her you know i hope she's open i mean she's awesome she's pretty open-minded but it's like if if you follow hollywood and disney and, and all this right. stuff and you're in california you're probably gonna be a little bit more slanted a certain way right and that's just yeah. what you're yeah. around i don't watch yeah. the uh you want to fit in yeah that that's what it's almost cool to be a certain way and um, like, like you said, it, it's okay if, if you're vegan and you feel healthy and you generally do, but if you're, if you're vegan, you have IBS, which, okay, what's IBS, right? It's like all these d- diseases are diagnosed by exclusion. <laughs> like we're like, oh, you just have constipation or diarrhea. We don't really know why cramping. Okay. You have IBS. Like, right. We can't figure it out. Kind of like fibromyalgia. Uh, we, we don't. Like yeah, pain, exactly. Fibro, just fibro. Here you go. And, um, but it, you know, if you are vegan, I had a girl the other day and she got really mad at me. Right. Um, I go, Hey, what kind of diet do you have? Cause anytime you have a Donald pain, I ask that. I go, what kind of diet do you eat? Right. I think that's a valid question. Most practitioners probably don't. Yeah. I'm in an urgent care setting. So I have like 10 minutes to, to talk to them if that. So, um, she's got eight out of 10 abdominal pain cramping really bad. And I was like, you should probably go to the ER just in case to rule out something kind of acute going on, but whatever. And she goes, Oh, I eat vegan. She's 19 years old. She looks anemic. Look, yeah. looking at her, right. Not a lot of muscle and stuff. I go, you know, I'm not a big fan of that because well, it's never been a problem before. And it gives me attitude. And I go, I go, okay, you know, are you even supplementing, right? Like, do you even know what supplements you need? What supplements you're lacking? Like, let's make the vegan diet better for you. Cause I think obviously it's not working. Yeah. And then not yeah. only that, I got, I, so then I asked her, I don't know why they brought this up. I was being a little argumentative that day. Um, then I, I was trying to be loving and caring too at the same time. But I said, she said she watches the news to stay informed. I go, you're 19. You really shouldn't be watching the news. You're, you're being part of the problem. So I probably shouldn't have said that, but she wrote a bad review. And that's what I got mm-hmm. on my Google for trying to help her because I don't think her diet's helping. And I, well, yeah. I shouldn't have brought up the news, but I, I also thought that was pertinent too. Like that's not helping you. Yeah. And, well, I, you know, uh, and, 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 and I think that the thing we can do for those people is, is provide them with information, like ask them, like, make sure they knew that they'd be deficient in B12 and that to make sure mm-hmm. that they're supplementing. It's fine, follow your vegan diet, that's great if you wanna do that but make sure you're doing it in a way that's going to preserve your health. You know, like uh, you need to you need that B12. You need some, um, you know, uh, different fatty acids. You need different minerals uh, that are probably going to be more deficient on, on a vegan diet. You need iron. Uh, and so make sure she's getting those. And then, you mm-hmm. know, it, if hopefully at some point she comes to the realization that the way she's eating, maybe it wasn't a well-formulated vegan diet, you know? Oh, exactly. Happen. I think most of the time know? it's not. I think yeah, most of the time it's not for the average person. Hopefully she gets to the realization that she at least needs to change the approach to the vegan diet she's taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, hopefully gets to the point where she realizes that she's, she could, she should eat the foods that provide her with all the nutrients she needs. But, but yeah, that's all we can do is really support people in their health journey and, and help guide them. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, you don't tell, don't tell them that they're wrong or that, um, uh, you know, that they're stupid or anything like that, but just mm-hmm. say, Hey, let's make sure you're doing this right and just provide them information. And then hopefully they make the right decision because I guess people's health is their own, you know, mm-hmm. like people think that, you know, I, I, I sympathize. So when I was in college, I had a, 
a doctor try and put me on a blood pressure medication, even though my blood pressure was normal at the time of the visit. And I said, no. Um, and he wrote the prescription anyways, and I never filled it and came back the next time. And he asked me if I filled it. I said, no. And then came back again three months later. Um, and he said, no, I, I said, no, I hadn't filled it. And he got like an attitude with me. He's like, why haven't you filled this? You know, like, and after, at the time, I just thought he was just like trying to make me do what he wanted me to do. Um, you know, I realized later on after I became a practitioner that, you know, he truly thought this was the best thing for me. And he truly thought that, that I needed to be honest to protect my kidneys, even though my blood pressure was just fine. Um, and, and, uh, and so later on, you know, when I start treating people and I recommend something and they don't do it, you know, I, I, the roles are reversed. And I realized that I think that what I'm recommending is the best thing for them. And they could, um, they could really benefit from that, but if they don't want to, that's their decision. Mm -hmm. And so I just need to provide them inf inf information. And so the thing missing from what um, that doctor did when he prescribed me that, that medication was that he didn't give me any information. You know, he didn't, you know, give me the information or statistics or studies or anything about the drug and um, about why I should take it. He just told me to take it. And I was not allowed to ask questions. And so that's, that's the wrong approach. You know, if you want to convince somebody to do something that you think is good for them, give them the information, let them decide for themselves. Um, they still may not. And what you're recommending still may not be the best thing for them, even though you think it is, but at least give them information and let them decide for themselves. Yeah. I, I, it's hard sometimes, man. I gotta be honest. Like it when is. I see 40 patients in a day, it's just hard when I, you know, I'm having people tell me how to treat COVID or how COVID's going on. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, you're, you're a realtor. And what you just brought up to me was ridiculous. <laughs> like I had, a, and, but I have to respect what they, what they're thinking too, you know, cause most people actually have a pretty good opinion. I want to hear it. Like I ask, like if you have a grandma, mom and daughter, like let's say a five-year-old in there, I actually want to hear what grandma thinks. Mm -hmm. I'd like, Hey grandma, what do you think's going on? Like she raised two generations of people. She's been around yeah. that. I value your opinion. I don't walk into the room. I don't even, uh, I just say my name's Frank. I don't care about mm -hmm. titles. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to school that long. I don't care. I care about the person. And sometimes I do forget that, that it's just, we're not made to be conveyor belt either medicine, right? Like it right. is so difficult to keep up a good attitude. And then for some reason, people that are negative uh, want to jump right to Google reviews, which is what I get an email about. And I go, actually, I was trying to be caring about her. I said, Hey, I care about you. I want you to feel, feel better. I said, the vegan diet isn't my, is not the diet I prefer. She got very defensive. Um, when it came to the news, I said, Hey, there's a lot of cooler things out there like podcasts and things like that. And I think that the younger generation is starting to change the world by not following the news and, and finding out more independent yeah. sources. So I actually wasn't just being a hater in the room, but I still got a negative review. Right. But yeah. then the, the other nine people before her that really liked me, they don't get positive reviews. Right. Yeah. Cause that's yeah, not I what people that, do. Uh, it, it's, it's hard too, because lots of times the information we get these days is in little sound bites or mm. in, in little like one page things or little one, one post or whatever. And so it's impossible to, to learn all the complexity you need to learn to make a decision on something based on this little amount of information that we compact or the compartmentalizing our, our lives into, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it, you're never going to convince somebody of anything in a sound bite. Um, and so that's what we try and do though. That's what social media is. Yeah. Uh, it's 240 so, characters, right? On Twitter, something like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just, I don't understand why people get so angry about things they see on, on these platforms because, you know, that's not, it's obviously not the whole story. It's, mm -hmm. it's one very small part of a probably much larger argument that someone, a much larger body of information that someone has to make that statement. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, I'll throw another quote out there. I'm, I'm rolling with the quotes today. Um, the, uh, it, it, and I might butcher this one, but it's like opinion is the lowest form of, of knowledge. Um, um, and the highest form is, is empathy because like opinion, you don't have to care about anything. You just have your opinion. Uh, whereas you have to move all of your preconceived notions and learn to emphasize, empathize with uh, the opinion that you may not agree with or the, or the point of view you may not agree with. And so empathy requires you to actually think outside of your opinion. Uh, and so that's what- It's starting to cut out again, man. 
dude i i sorry i i hate this this bothers me so much like i promise right. it'll get better but dude honestly this has been so much fun like you're a stud yeah, it's been a party you're a stud dude like you you're just doing stuff on your own you're you're thinking outside the box and we need more people like you you know i'm in the western medicine world i think we do well with you know acute situations right we do pretty well you have a STEMI, we know what to do you know you have a stroke we know what to do we uh chronic care is garbage it's horrendous yeah um there's some good things you know covid you know we have like ecmo pretty cool but we shouldn't even get to that point mm. right um but we have people like like you out there man that's like changing the world one patient at a time because i am noticing that patients Again, I've, I've only been in medicine for the last four years or so. And um, I'm noticing patients are more open to suggestions, though. Like, I am noticing that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, at least they're kind of um, willing to receive, you know. But I might just end it. I'll just, I'll just call it, man. I, I appreciate right. it, dude. Sorry for yeah, it being of course, a... Of course. Hopefully, hopefully, you can piece some stuff together. And, and you yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll edit it, and then I'll tag you and stuff. Um, What's okay, your email, man? I have it on the, the podcast, I think. Or is it Instagram? Yeah, Steven at resourcerhealth.com. Cool, bro. I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you and then I'll let you know when we post it. And then, like Perfect. I said, I wish you the best of success, man. You're like, yeah, um, you as well. Like, this is so cool. I, I can't wait to meet more and more people like you that are like making a difference. And then I can yeah. like submit to you or, or patience to you. Be like, hey, look at this direction. You know, yeah. like, Go down this, this, this rabbit hole. I, I said it a lot, rabbit hole, but go down this, this paradigm and see what, what works for you. Yeah, yeah. Happy to you help know? people. You know? Just yeah, give man. my info and I'll, I'll, I'll help them. That's awesome, dude. Thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, man. Have a good one. See ya.